0: The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Joshua Veney. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Dear Heavenly Father, as we approach your word, we ask for insight and guidance, and we also ask that your Spirit will drive it deep in our hearts and so that it will come out uh, in our actions. And so may you transform us continually uh, through the work of your Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 14 through 7-1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 7-1. And it begins with a text very familiar. Um, You're always in trouble when you do that, especially if you end up disagreeing with a common interpretation. This is the well-known: "Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers." Uh, and to give it a little context, let's start in verse 11 of chapter 6. So we'll start reading Second Corinthians, chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak, as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, or I will gather you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for me, we have wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you, I have great pride in you, I am filled with comfort in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy." So our text is verse 14 through 7-1, but uh, as we include those uh, surrounding verses, uh, it shows part of the issue with this text. Uh, How does it fit um, in the flow of what Paul is doing? Um, To such an extent, people see it as as out of that flow that it's been called this fragment, this fragment. um, bit of uh, of, of um, maybe Pauline or other other uh, type writing that has been put in here um, but uh, I think we can see that it does fit together um, with what Paul's doing and as we uh, as we think of this um, and as we see it in its uh, just within these verses that we're looking at and those around them, uh, it, it certainly is broader than the way this text is often applied. Uh, the beginning of it, at least. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, um, i.e., don't marry an unbeliever. Uh, While well, a very biblical, biblically sound uh, command, biblically sound advice to give, um, that doesn't seem to be what's in Paul's mind here. Uh, at least at the beginning. And part of that means that as we look at it, we'll find that it really applies to all of us. Uh, You can't say, oh, I didn't marry an unbeliever, check that off, now we can move on. Um, This is something that we continue to uh, need to apply to our lives um, throughout them. And as, uh, as we think of what's going on here, Uh, The Corinthians, they're this church with all of these problems that Paul is confronting and they're wavering in various ways uh, uh, with uh, um, their ties to the world and idolatry roundabout or with those who are misleading them. And so I would characterize maybe what we have here is Paul is going black and white on them. We now have everything in these really stark contrasts as he thrusts that to them uh, for how they are to live. Uh, He he puts these black and white categories to confront them, to confront us on how we live in this world. Uh, Really plays up that antithesis. The, The structure of, uh, of this is helpful for us understanding that first command because we really get three commands throughout this. We have right up front, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Then we get in verse 17, therefore go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord, touch no unclean thing. And then we get in, in 7.1, Uh, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body, spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And while they're maybe not totally identical, I think they are meant by that to to help interpret one another. Um, What does it mean to not not be uh, unequally yoked? Well, it's very similar to this call to go out, separate, to cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Uh, So we we have those commands told in various ways um, at the beginning, middle, and end. And in between, Paul anchors those commands in two ways. Uh, The first by a whole series of rhetorical questions and the second by his compilation of these biblical passages. Uh, And so in that first part, we really see Paul's black and white world. He gives these rhetorical questions that we all know the answer to. Uh, It's one or the other. There are two kinds of people in this world. Um, And he's not talking about Macs versus PCs. Um, He has, right, what are the two types? Uh, Verse 14, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship light with darkness? What accord Christ with Belial? Um, uh, Another name, probably referring to the devil here. Uh, And what portion believer with an unbeliever? And then finally, this climax, the temple of God, with idols, um, these stark contrasts that you have and these, and these different types of engagement, partnership, fellowship, accord. Um, and I think they are there to, to uh, illustrate this, that yoking imagery at the beginning. Um, these are ways that there can be this yoke um, and this yoke is totally inappropriate. Uh, because these things cannot be together, they—they um, they, in the end um, one influences the other, and they do not remain what they are. Uh, and uh, and so he sets before them that choice, and it and it leads to that last one, that temple of God with idols. And he drives home what that means with his statement that follows in 16, for we are the temple of the living God. And in, in the book of 2 Corinthians, this really helps show that what he's focusing on is them as these new covenant believers. This isn't the Old Testament where there was a tabernacle temple outside this is the new covenant. This is where the spirit is indwelling them. They are that temple of the living God. And he then girds all of this with these quotations uh, as he talks about them as this new covenant members, those who have gone through this new exodus and what that needs to bring about in their lives. And so he does it by combining a number of texts. Uh, and so very briefly in, uh, in verse 16, at the beginning there, um, many argue, and I think rightly, that he's combining uh, Leviticus 26.12 and Ezekiel 37.27. Um, Leviticus talks about the walking, The uh, the Ezekiel passage seems to give uh, the rest of of the frame of reference there. As he says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And by picking the, the Leviticus and the Ezekiel passage, he really pulls from what Sinai had said, and yet Ezekiel, what is he doing? He's looking to the new covenant. Uh, This new exodus that will bring it about. And that is what is true of these new covenant believers that Paul is addressing. God is dwelling. He is walking amongst them. This covenant formula, I will be their God, they shall be that people. What was shown in that Sinai is now made It's now made certain for them in this new covenant. Um, God is there with them. And that has implications. And so verse 17 comes from Isaiah 52, verse 11. And as God is talking to his people who are in exile in Babylon, he says, get ready. Comfort is coming. And when it comes, what do you need to do when, when, uh, when I come to save you? You need to go out from their midst. You need to separate from Babylon and uh, you need to touch no unclean thing. The idols in Babylon, they need to be removed from them. When God brings them back, they come out of Babylon. They do not hold on to the idols and the unclean things that were there. Uh, and and then verse uh, and then we get uh, that last phrase of 17, then I will welcome you. Um, or it's it's really um, kavatz is the Hebrew word behind it, to gather. Uh, we find it a number of times of what God's promised in the second Exodus. Um, that's what he's doing. He's Right? The people that he's telling to come out, he's gathering. He's bringing them to himself. Uh, and, uh, and that brings then verse 18, which is in one way just a repetition of 16, that covenant formula, but now even more intimate. Uh, and what you have there is, I will be a father to you. That should sound like 2 Samuel 7. Uh, that adoption formula used there of the Messiah, that son of David who was to come. Though here, right, now it's not just that Messiah. It's all of those people who are united to him. Uh, that adoption formula is, is, is bringing more intimate, uh, even than the covenant formula, I will be their God, they shall be my people. It's now I will be a father to them and you will be sons and daughters to me. Uh, And uh, and so it seems that what Paul's done there is he's taken that formula and he's expanded it uh, in light um, of Isaiah 43, verse 6, that again talks about God taking in his sons and daughters from round about. Uh, And so you have all of this, right, this intimate language that really is telling them why there is this black and white world why you're one or the other God's walking amongst you he's with you you're his people or you're not you're out there you're his sons or daughter he's called himself your father or you're not and if you are right he calls go out from their midst be separate from them touch no unclean thing now What troubles many people about this is, well, what is this calling us to? Do we need to form our own community out in the backwoods of Montana somewhere um, or something similar to that? No, clearly, as we read Paul elsewhere, and especially um, earlier in 1 Corinthians, that's never what he says. I don't tell you to separate from unbelievers, otherwise you'd have to leave the world. Um, But we are separating in one sense. Uh, we are separate from the world in what we hold dear, what we look to for the future, and that comes out in all of our actions. And that's really how he then closes it in uh, 7 verse 1. Since we have these promises, you're, you're called God's people, he's called your God. You're called his son or daughter, he's called your father. Since we have these promises, beloved. Now notice he says, beloved. This is is where this this new covenant, it's not do this in order to have these promises. It's you have these promises. And so do them. Uh, So he says, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Live as the new covenant members you are. It's using that impurity language tied with the temple uh, in the Old Testament and now applied to them uh, in everything that, uh, that they do in the actions of their bodies, in the, in the spirit, in their internal thoughts and desires, um, right? They're to bring to completion, they're right there to, to live as the holy status they are. That's what their life should be focused on in that. And so if if that's what Paul is after here, how does it fit this context as he's telling them right before, open your hearts to us, telling that afterwards? Um, well, this is where we can maybe see a few different ways to go with it. Um, it, uh, it certainly... Uh, most would agree, has applications of, for the Corinthians at that time who were struggling um, how to tie in with, with uh, the whole system of idolatry that's in their city. Um, and the, uh, right, can they go to the temples? Can they go to the festivals and other such things? And he's calling on that, right, this is black and white. Whose are you? Which do you belong to? Uh, but it may also have application to um, Paul's struggle to uh, to have them right cling to him, be open to him, versus those who are opposing his gospel. Uh, those who oppose his gospel really are uh, like the devil, deceiving, um, trying to trick them, and he wants. No, it's, it's not some sort of continuum or other thing, right? It is this black and white. It's my gospel, which is this gospel from Jesus, um, or it's the lies of the devil. And so be open to me, open your hearts to me. Um, and so as, as we apply that and think of ourselves, um, I think we can, we can see uh, right It's called to if we want to apply it to that purity in the church, but it really has that, that broader um, application to us too. Uh, what of our world have we now become unequally yoked with? Uh, what have we come partners with, fellowship with, accord with, uh, that is inappropriate as our calling as new covenant believers? Um, where do we place our hope where do we place our our goals Um, what do we do with our bodies with our thoughts Uh, paul leaves it very broad and presses that upon us this culmination in many ways of what he's been doing Uh, know who you are and act according to that Um, through that spirit living in you as as that temple of god so let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, we, as we live, as we walk about, as we go about our activities in this world, it's so easy, so quickly, to to become used to the norms we see about, uh, where entertainment is king, uh, sensuality is uh, is nothing, is all about. Uh, and uh, and so we can become a, uh, tied with that in many ways. We can become influenced by it, uh, and uh, the peer pressure to conform and other such things can drive us uh, in that. Uh, even in our business or our work, and uh, as we dwell on who we are, we are the temple, uh, whose we are. We are your people, uh, your sons and daughters. Uh, may that affect and, and, uh, and may that motivate. Um, and may you use your spirit to, uh, to work through us uh, so that we act out um, this holy calling that we have as your new covenant people. And we do it in the confidence that Christ has done everything. He has earned these promises for us. Uh, now we live these lives of gratitude. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.